0: Good morning, good afternoon, good wherever. I just hope it's good where you are. Welcome to Inquisitive Minds. Fellas, we are double digits duty, man.
1: That's, right. That That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we're happy to have this discussion. And uh, before I actually get into the title and stuff like that, I want to do my due diligence to introduce the other co-hosts, the originals. Um, of course, I uh, know yeah, no, me start with Aaron, but I'll start with you, Mr. Ricardo Mitchell i'm uh, my brother in philosophy, the social sage. Any words always done for
1: us, boss? Yeah, drink your coffee before your meeting starts. Uh oh yeah, boy. Generally, I
0: apologize. apologize.
1: It's only time. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is fine. This is fine. For the rest of the world, the it's already midday, you know. But for uh some of us, those who incline to nocturnal hours, yeah, 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 yeah. Co- coffee. Coffee. Coffee yeah. is life. I
0: know. I know it has somebody we just keep the night hours you outside the house by a gate, eh? but I don't want to bring that in this talk
1: here. <laughs> yeah, here, I, here I say, right? We we develop urban infrastructure in what was once wildlife, right? What was mm-hmm. once forestry. So w- what's going on with me and that Maniku cool, I, I had a respect in Maniku cool. He is the captain now. He is the anybody captain. If anybody wants a laugh,
0: check this man Facebook and Instagram profile. It is very funny.
2: Look at, <laughs> look at me i'm the captain
1: <laughs> you, you know nobody ever mentioned it but when you make eye contact with a maniku it's actually the manikou had a break of eye contact first sir huh? they, ha- they are very hypnotic
0: I sit in dominance
1: yeah correct is right
0: Greg anyway
1: is right. and who's that other guy Is that aaron
2: ah dj aaron a68 the intellectual the creative how are you sir um <laughs> i could be a lot better but i'm making the best of what i have yeah boy how oh, are you still getting a chance to run and thing Yeah, yeah 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 of course yeah. i'm there uh, I, I am team i team i, team I, team I team made team a, a trek i made a trek up um lady chancellor the other day to the national flag on top of the hill uh, That's that's real good let's Thank just say you, i man. won't be doing that again anytime soon <laughs>
1: you're using "won't" when you should really be saying can't you know but all right i I I,
2: I, 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 I made it right i made it to the top most important but that's not something i want to do willingly anytime soon
1: Hmm. and for anyone who would like to see evidence of aaron's um peak you could check out his instagram and facebook and soundcloud accounts he's dj aaron 868 you will see some lovely photography and some great mixes including his annual independence day mix um, oh, this good. year this year
2: was a part of uh, two parts huh? it, it. yeah two parts yeah yeah Amen. Great, great stuff good stuff um, and Bre- go ahead boss brendan again you know how we do how are you doing
0: fine all right you know i am um, i enjoy it. well you know me on a saturday right so my niece coming across so we're gonna do some chocolate cake and thing this evening so we're gonna have a, a fine time you and she's making sure she come together like the bowl and all that kind of thing. So. Why I bought a tart? Ricardo,
1: know. this man, this man making chocolate cake fresh from you know cuckoo from Peru or fresh something body. like that. <laughs> and you know I have? I,
0: I, I have a cookie recipe To her, huh? So I have two things day, A pound cake and a cookie recipe. So as soon as I get the time after my classes, i have that so yeah. a big done. You know, get
1: And you know what I have? I have kiss cake and bourbon biscuit. I'm just saying that. <laughs> If Kiss Digestive only looking to get into the advertising game, check out Inquisitive Minds. We'll have a conversation. So, now that we already um do we do the due The due. I want to no. introduce
0: our special guest, but and I want to introduce our special guest from talking about the title. Now, the title of this episode is How to Thread the Needle: COVID-19 Business on Us. And we thought it was important that we talk about the COVID nineteen pandemic. You know, as a as a podcast that actually started in the in the pandemic, right? Um, it's not something that we address directly, but we talk about it indirectly. And um, we would have had a discussion, and this is something that Aaron would have um, picked up on from his social interactions. That you know, there is a perspective about the pandemic that is not just about personal rights, which we believe is important, but we also want to look at it from the point of view of looking at businesses and in terms of their challenges, what are their rights, you know, and what are so many things that we need to think about as we weigh this, this topic. That is controversial for some, but for us is a need for conversation. And we, we love that at Equipment of Minds, a need for conversation. And I want to use this opportunity to introduce Miss Gail Figaro. Hi Gail, how are you going?
3: Hi, I'm fine. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem at all. And uh, Gail is the assistant vice president of HSC and us She's a change manager, an organizational psychologist, a writer, mentor, consultant, business business resilience lead auditor, uh, all around superwoman. She didn't have that. I just trained her then, right? <laughs> um, so Gail has been, you know, involved in the in this area of occupational safety and health for over 21 years, right? Uh, she has been involved in the creation implementation of cultural development and continuous development processes and systems, robust agency management systems across the Caribbean and she has been able to create an impactful perspective within the field and has been able to contribute um, to industry in this particular way. And we, we asked Gail specifically to come to speak about this because she wrote a wonderful article on LinkedIn, and I will encourage everyone to go and check her articles on LinkedIn about COVID-19, the pandemic, and it's a nuanced perspective, which is what we love at Inclusive Minds. So Gail, welcome, and thank you for being part of our conversation. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, guys. Yes. So I'll just kick off with a a generalized question, and of course, well, we will kick in with questions, and Gail, uh, feel free to share your perspective and give us your points of view so we've we've been in this pandemic for some time now which feels like about 15 years but <laughs> uh, we're going on two years and we have learned a lot there we started off with uncertainty which makes a lot of people uncomfortable right to some level of certainty so there's some things we show about and even the certainty kind of uncertain you know but we're kind of in a position where you know we're going through the fourth wave fifth wave depending on where you are and the perspective of how do we continue um our normal lives hopefully at some point whatever that new normal is and kind of balance this whole perspective of you know personalized business right and i want to leave this very open from your perspective what about this pandemic do you think that and I've given it two parts, one, that the business sector seeing, but not really seeing and the public sector seeing, but not really seeing. So in a sense, what, what are they they they're picking up? But what is the fundamentals they're missing? And for the public, what are they picking up? And what are the fundamentals they think they're missing?
3: Okay. So that's a really loaded question, but I'll see how best I could give it from my perspective. I think that the business sector is is seeing and acknowledging that they're seeing that it can't be business as usual, that they have to get creative and dynamic and innovative about how they continue their business, how they lean on resiliency options to keep, you know, alive. And not only alive, some of them are t- attempting to thrive in this environment. Um, I think what they are seeing, but not willing to say, um, perhaps even to themselves, is that um, this narrative about back to normal, um, this narrative about business as usual, is not a real thing. And I feel as a collective, when I listen to the global, regional and national conversations in the business sector, Of course, they are outliers and exemptions to what I'm about to say. But generally, I feel like they want to share a particular storyline, which is if we all just get vaccinated, you know, we'll be fine. And we can just, you know, proceed. So just buy into this. And then all of a sudden, this is the panacea. This is the magical elixir. And we will go back to carnival, limes, full restaurants, um, full offices, etc. cetera. Um, that concerns me deeply. And it was one of the reasons I felt moved to write the piece that you made reference to on LinkedIn. In terms of flipping that now, private, se- private persons and how they see it. I think that persons are seeing the pandemic as something that is overwhelming. It feels never ending. It is disruptive to their lives, both professionally and personally. Depending on which culture you're focusing on, because I have a regional role, I know what the take is from the individuals in Barbados, Jamaica, Guyana, Antigua, and here. And I can tell you, it changes from country to country. But but at the end of it, people are missing their socialization opportunities. There's crop over, there's carnival. There's, you know, Marsh and Diana, and all of these things uh, are really deeply ingrained in the culture. And, and they're missing what makes them who they are, you know, as, as people, as a people. Um, I think that they're fed up with with hearing about the pandemic. So you're, you're experiencing pandemic fatigue, and that is causing people to make decisions that really might not be the wisest right now. You know, I'm fed up with this mask. So you know what? I'll take a chance and not wear it. You know, i fed up for not seeing my friends. So I go in and invite 12 of them over. First line. all, what's the worst that could happen? Um, and I think what they're experiencing, but probably not seeing, is a fear of, of feeling powerless. Um, and that is showing up and it's leaking out in protests, in anger, in conspiracy theories, in denial. So it's a very very interesting time we are in you know I was telling somebody I feel split within myself because um, from a a HSE OSH point of view it is a challenge um but it's also one that I I find very interesting um because I'm being given problems every day that are quite unique that I have to figure out and solve so it's a learning experience, it's a learning food, so that's fine. From the site portion of who I am, I'm fascinated as to how people are processing the same information in very, very different ways, and having very different takeaways about it, right? And then from a personal, and I, I always connect personal with spiritual, um, from that perspective, man, has it been a journey, in terms of an exhausting one, A one where I have to have conversations with my creator about, you know, you know, I'm feeling like I'm the female version of Job where you're doing my hair. You know, it's a lot, you know. So, but every day I wake up and I'm still here and I'm not blind to the blessings that are, you know, still with me and even being created out of this situation. So it's a very interesting multi-layered time for everyone. I love how you
0: thread that needle, you know, it's it's to be able to bring those multiple issues together and find the commonality, even as it goes to the organization into the spiritual, you know, and not leaving yourself out of it. Um, I appreciate your your point of view. I appreciate it a lot. Um, and the other thing, so we, we we dig in a little bit deep. So the 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 question of the balancing act in terms of how we communicate in a way that we recognize people's personal rights versus an organization that has to survive, right? And, you know, when initially, when Aaron and I were talking about this and we brought in Carlo into the discussion as well, it had that kind of element of it of, okay, are we looking at this from all sides? So what what part of that discussion do you think is healthy and because of your background, I'm using that that phrase specifically, healthy, mm-hmm. and what part of that discussion do you think is unhealthy?
3: I think all of that discussion is healthy. It's how we process the discussion is what could spin us into unhealthy realm. There is nothing wrong at any point in time with having a discussion about any given thing. It's what we choose to do and how we choose to react and respond to said discussion. That's where the problem starts. So for me, um, I guess the challenge I, I am having, and it's becoming a bit of an ethical and integrity-based challenge as I listen to peers and you know corporations and even, even some national discussions across the region. We have to make a commitment to stay anchored in the truth, right? There's a lot of stitching together of, of narratives that are, are very dangerous. The simplest one is vaccination equates immunity. That's not a real thing. Sorry to say, not, not at least not in the instance of COVID-19 vaccination, all right? We have to accept certain facts and the facts are not being quoted by doctors or by the government, the facts are available in scientific papers if you just are willing to sit and go through it. The thing that bothers me the most is that there's this putting together of vaccine, immunity, and we'll all be fine. We'll all achieve herd immunity. Understanding how these vaccines were created, understanding their lifespan, and understanding what the variants are doing to that equation. Herd immunity, I am sorry to say, It's not a real thing. At least not with this batch of vaccines, yeah? And not with the onslaught of variants of interest and variants of concern. We may for a moment, for a snapshot in time, achieve herd immunity. It will be a snapshot in time. Because what the data is now showing us is if, let's just say, Iran was vaccinated in January of this year, By September, Aaron's um, protection, quote-unquote, from that vaccine is far lower than me who would have gotten vaccinated last month. It's waning that quickly. So you see, it's hard because herd immunity depends on a collective amount of people having a similar comparable level of protection at the same point in time. Without that, you, you cannot achieve herd immunity, right? So I will point you all... For a moment, let's just look at Israel. A couple of months ago, Israel was touted as being the first country to achieve what was considered back then to be herd immunity. Almost 65% of their population fully vaccinated, and their numbers of infection did take a nosedive, and it looked great. And then what did everybody do? Buy back into the well, this is great. We can now return to normal, right? Israel is now facing a nightmare because Delta touched down there and up till a couple of days ago, they were averaging 11,000 new cases a day. They have been buckled. And my the pain point for me, gentlemen, is the fact that we are not looking outside of our own, um, I guess, focus or goals or objectives in the corporate world. To say, Israel is giving us a blueprint of what could happen if we do the same thing. So let's take a couple of steps back and figure out. I'll bring it closer to home. There have been protests in Barbados. There have been protests in Guyana. There are rumblings of potential protests in Jamaica. Because persons feel like their rights are being encroached upon. In Trinidad, we should be looking at that and saying, we don't want that experience what can we pull from that as a lesson to learn to do differently? So there's a lot to unpack in this whole scenario when it comes to the business versus personal dynamic.
0: So if you're in those um, boiled uh, garlic and uh, plant skin and things are really meaty on top of the vaccination, then we can...
3: There's no data to show that that's already... <laughs>
0: Ah, you're, here, you're to, to your boy
2: <laughs> me <laughs> not me brother i never i never <laughs> had any kind of inclination or made any statement of the sort
1: <laughs> not, well, not I, me. all i seen is i i saw aaron has been growing his own um his little kitchen garden in the gallery and i believe that he is boiling something and drinking it I'm not so sure how much of it was garlic, but he's, he claims it's mojito. I think it's something else that with M, but that's a different conversation for a different day. And I don't want people going by the manhouse to see how much plants of mint he have. But um, th- there's are interesting points because one of the things that, as I mentioned, eh, even in jest, is that people taking individual measures that may or may not be supported by data but we're asking people to acknowledge that there's public policy that they may not be a fan of but they still have personal responsibility and this is a conversation that Aaron and I have been going back and forth with for years for anybody who listens to The Living Room Um, (laughs) and yeah shameless plug and what happens is we we might we, we, we want people to take personal responsibility, but then sometimes we attack them for the measure that they actually practice. So one of the things we're seeing is that it's not just enough to have information. We have to have a narrative that supports how comfortable we are with what is going on. So you know what? Take personal responsibility, but take personal responsibility the way that I would take personal responsibility. Otherwise, you are now subject to ridicule, jest, being ostracized, etc., And that is making people uncomfortable to engage in the discussions that might bring us to a healthy position. We're seeing a lot of us versus them. We're seeing a lot of uh, separation and divisiveness where we're uncomfortable bringing our position to the table. Because for the people who have nuanced perspectives or may have taken the vaccine but aren't necessarily what one would call pro-vaccine or would have taken the vaccine but don't believe that they are immune because of it, you, you kind of shepherd it into one of two camps and it makes practical, reasonable discourse impossible because I will end up being forced into a position that I don't necessarily take because there aren't enough people willing to meet in the middle.
3: See, the thing about that, Kado, is that, um, you know, everything you're saying holds merit, but it, it's on the assumption that the conversations are even happening. I can tell you that, individuals, at least the persons who we work with and engage with, their experience is that they feel that they're being spoken to a lot, but not engaged to have balanced conversation back and forth. So there's a lot of governmental policies being ruled out. There's a lot of business level protocols being rolled out. But these things are basically falling in the realm of mandates. Some of them are being titled guidelines, but they're actually... I kinda do so or else. There really isn't much room being created to 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 have town halls, let's just say, for the average person to say, look, you know, I grew up boiling my bush and I'm okay. Why can't I do that now? Well, I'll tell you, we I had a call from, from a particular employee, I wouldn't state the region or anything, just to respect, you know, the person's anonymity. But they, they shared with me that they belong to a particular faith and their faith leader told them to boil bougainvillea leaves and the flowers and drink it and they'll be protected from COVID. And he, the person really wanted me to consider sharing that across the region because they, they're so invested in what you know, their particular faith leader um, told them to do that they believe that if, they, if if I were to consider this, I would be saving all of my company, yeah? So what I told the person is that, you know, I, I understand their passion for it, um, for this particular thing. And I cannot say whether it does or does not have merit, but I would caution them to do their own research because I, I, I don't know how far it could take bougainvillea tea and, you know, what it could mean for you but what I also told them is you know honestly um, from a, a occupational health and safety perspective we cannot we cannot ask anyone to take anything orally from medicines even even listedted kits they, they used to be things you could put they could puts for oral consumption like aspirin and listedted kits mm-hmm. that was stopped years ago right So everything is topical now. You know, but that's just one of many, many examples. Now you can, you're free to believe what you want to believe. I, I still believe in certain herbal remedies and stuff. I mean, I grew up in the country. There's nothing wrong with that. But you cannot blindly say, well, this worked for me. Growing up, this particular virus is new to the human race, right? Its mutations are new to the human race. We do not know exactly what could arrest it in its tracks. We have discovered a few things that could probably slow the progress and soften the symptoms and maybe prevent, you know, significant hospitalizations and death. But we haven't found a cure and we haven't found something to prevent it completely. And that's the reality we live in. So everyone is basically just trying what they can because again, it's that sense of powerlessness. I feel like I have to do something to stay safe. If I do this, at least it gives me a psychological comfort that I'm doing something. I'm not just sitting here waiting for this thing to come to my door, you know? So it. I think that the conversations need to happen, you know, not just a press conference where you, you are talking to us, not just a business meeting where leadership is talking to staff. It has to be 2 because there's a lot that our people have to unpack in this whole journey, right? And it's getting more tense. I could tell you with the introduction and the dialogue around um, school reopening, because you see, it's not just employees I have, it's parents, right? And now you're saying, well, if your kids aren't vaccinated, they won't be allowed to enter school. Now, some of these kids have subjects that require practical elements like labs. What's going to happen then, right? So I think that the government is seeking to do the right thing in terms of they want persons to be as protected as possible, and they see that as being really championing vaccination, and that is fine. But you see, it's it's not even what you're saying. It's how you see it. Because you cannot tell me I'm a mom of two girls you cannot tell me I have to put something into my children's bodies that I'm still confused about, right? There's a way to journey me to that point that I feel like I'm part of the decision making process for that to happen so now if persons weren't even protective and resistant for themselves now you're talking about my babies right? So that is going to result in some concern Um, so I am dealing with staff members who are already calling up my unit and they're expressing a lot of frustration, a lot of fear about what happens to my child if I am not ready for him or her to be vaccinated. What does that now mean for their opportunities at school? right? And that's another layer of stress you're putting on to PluSant. In addition to people who you're telling, you're telling them if they don't get vaccinated, you have to pay for a PCR test every week. Or every two weeks. Do you know how much a PCR test costs? If you're lucky, it's $1,100. If you're lucky. So if you tell, if you're lucky, right? It can go straight up to $1,600, $1,700 a pop. So if you are telling someone whose monthly salary is $3,500 or $4,000 that they have to do two or three PCR tests if they're not vaccinated, how exactly is that person supposed to live? so there's a lot you're touching on person's livelihood you're touching on their maternal and paternal instincts you're touching on their sense of personal right that is a very very dangerous cocktail that is being that's a witch's brew that is being bubbled in all right that's a witch's brew and and i did do another article to speak to that because it was being it was such a a live, live and charged conversation across the region within my sphere that I was like, you know, at the end of the day, people have to realize how you balance, how you share this message. You can either take, you you could do yourself as a service because you want to come across with mandates and do this or else kind of energy. And you're talking to people who have embedded in their, in their, in their, in their spiritual and their their personal DNAs, the memories of colonialism, where I didn't have a say over my body, right? That is being activated, especially in the shadow of, you know, Black Lives Matter, um, gender equality issues. Everybody's now feeling that I'm so backed into our wall for so many different reasons. You're putting me in a position where all I'm going to want to do is push back and push back very aggressively. And when a mob gets together and that's their mentality, what the power players think they're going to achieve by that do this or else, I don't think it's going to materialize in that way at all. So, um, it's kind of like looking at a very bad accident happen in very slow motion and the universe is telling you, you cannot intervene. You really just have to stand there and watch it happen, right? So, that's how it feels. And it's not it's not a good feeling for persons who who are oriented to be problem solvers and solution finders. It's difficult to watch.
2: Hmm. Um as we have in discussion, I have having this discussion, sorry, I have the um the OSHA after Trinidad and Tobago up on the left hand side of my screen because I'm one that believes that. The education, the education, wow. The information is there for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. As you said earlier, Kim. So now there's a part of the OSHA app that says that the employer will do, and I'm paraphrasing here, what they see fit to maintain a healthy and safe working environment and workforce. Yeah. But I also am a strong believer that there's an unwritten part of that that says, once it does not affect the bottom line. How mm-hmm. so um, many for many that's true right but there's also another part somewhere lower down that says that the testing to provide this environment would have to be borne by the cost of the at the cost of the employer
3: well it doesn't say that exactly in the act um what it's what the act says is that anything that should be provided for the safety or health of employees should be at cost borne by the the employer so anything that is of occupational health and safety risk mm-hmm. um, and you're seeking to protect persons, you shouldn't pass the course of, let's say training onto the employee. You shouldn't pass the course of PPE unless the person is only in your employee for one month or less mm-hmm. onto the employee. All of that is supposed to be borne by the employer. So that's interesting because I actually raised that exact point with my team the other day. and told them, you know, We need to to read that line very specifically again, because if it is worded the the way I remember it being worded, that if an employer considers COVID to be a risk, you know, within their occupational space, and now they are telling persons you must do this check, check and balance, that's a risk control. And what does that mean in terms of you demanding this employee pay for it? now it becomes a very gray area Iran, because at the back of the ush you will note that there is a list of occupational diseases it has not been updated to include covid-19 or the sars covid-2 if it was as clear as occupational illnesses if it was on that list it would be very clear that the, the employer has to bear all costs associated with the mitigation the exposure etc but because it has not been updated and that act has not been updated since 2006, right? <laughs> then what we are dealing with is a law that we are held accountable to that may be outdated to the realities that we are currently facing right now. You know, Now they have government always has the opportunity and the space and the power to add a regulation under that act, right? where they could say, in in light of this reality, we are are now creating this particular regulation to guide us through this pandemic. I cannot say that I'm aware that that is underway. It may very well be, but I have not heard such um, communication yet. I think it would be an excellent thing to do to help answer some of those very same questions you are talking about. So maybe if, if, let's just say, hypothetically, if it was made mandatory that um, employers bear the cost of PCR tests. These PCR tests and the antigen tests that they are demanding persons take. Maybe they might think differently about asking persons to get tested every two weeks. Because even even the math of that doesn't make sense to me. And I am a strange blend of being an emotional and also a highly logical person. So in my mind, if you tell me as an employee, I must test at my cost every two weeks, Okay, so let's say I test day one. I bring back a negative PCR test. You let me continue working as for normal. By day 14, when I'm due for the second test, I have enough time to pick up the virus, get contagious, and get everybody in work sick before I'm due to test again. So even the thought process behind that does not make any sense, all right? Because the time between the two tests per month is enough time for me to come and get everybody sick if I soul desire. Or, or do I even intend, but it kinda happens that the mask doesn't add up. So it one one has to land in a place of asking oneself, is it truly that you want me to be tested so that everyone has comfort that I'm okay? Or is it that this is a mechanism to frustrate me to the proce- to, to the point that I just throw up my hand and say, look, let me just go and take these shots. Yes, I tell them. You know, or is it a blend of both? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right? But these are the kind of conversations happening on the ground where persons are not particularly in, 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 in many avenues and in many businesses not getting the opportunity to voice these concerns, assumptions, fears at all.
1: So uh, according to episode seven, the mat's not Matsin." <laughs> the, the mat's just not Matsin. And you're putting numbers in front of me to negotiate well, to navigate me into a position that you don't want to negotiate me into uh one of the things and i the crazy thing for me is listening to you speak about watching this uh accident happening in slow motion and i distinctly remember probably on our last year i was saying to people that there is going to be a very uncomfortable mechanism that is going to navigate getting children back into schools when they're require to have physical distancing. It means if you have more people, well, less people in the same space, because they have to be a certain distance apart and they're going to have to be measures in place, that there are going to be less kids allowed into the school. And the mechanism for dividing who has access to this level of education versus who does not have it, is going to be a very uncomfortable and disruptive conversation. So fast forward now to our declaration that only vaccinated children will be allowed into schools. When we look at the the, the levels of society that are more likely to vaccinate versus not vaccinate, what we are seeing is a lot of the well-dies-them mentality. If you don't want to take it, well-dies-them. If they don't want to do it, well, that is them. If you don't want to if you don't want to work, if you don't want to go to school, if you don't want to go to church, if you don't want to party because you don't want to take the vaccine, well, that is them. So now you're shepherding people into our camp that they may not necessarily be an advocate for and a defender of. So what is going to end up happening is when you have these frustrations and you're not being allowed to even engage in the conversation, you're going to channel it differently. The, the rumblings that you're speaking of, I, I honestly don't think the people the power players understand what it is like to be forced into a position being forced to defend a position that you don't even want that this is this is concerning and i'm not looking to press the panic button what i'm saying is it is very concerning that the, the we've been navigated into positions we're not allowed to negotiate
0: and there's two, there's two parts of what you're saying there that, that hits America. There, there, there's the first part, and I want us, because Gail acknowledges it, you acknowledge it, I want to acknowledge it too, that and all employers who are listening to us, you need to talk to your workers about the whole school dynamic. Eh? Because if you don't think the school dynamic is going to impact on your business and your ability to work with your employees, you're fooling yourself, Right? We need to have a real conversation about school, kids, balance with work, and being able to support those social structures, right? And the second thing that they talk about there, that I really like is the dynamic of how we get people to a decision that is beneficial to all. Do you force them? When has that ever worked? Ever and been sustainable. Uh, Anybody please send us a voice note, uh, anything, tell them because I really want to know because I haven't seen it. And the next part of it too is something that I always worry about. And and like Gail, you know, I'm managing in the same situation and I think about risk maybe obsessively. And it's always to me a balance between rules and incentives, right? Rules alone, to work, right? Because of what Carlos say, right? I ain't I ain't going down that road about social systems and rules alone, right? Incentives alone do work because you always have somebody who be like, hey, let me just blow up the place and um because you know I don't believe in that and I don't really care about those incentives and X, Y, and Z. So I, I am real concerned about the conversation about rules and incentives. And girl, feel free to 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 kind of clarify this for us, in terms of that balance, or maybe it's not even a balance, maybe it need to lead more, more to one side versus the next side, right? But as a person that talked that these would change on human behavior, that whole thing about rules and incentives, what, what, what do you think about?
3: The thing is that conversation changes and it, it 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 moves depending on what we're talking about. If we're talking about getting persons to fill out their stop cards. Incentives is a nice thing, right? If you're talking about telling persons they're not allowed to smoke on a plant, on a live plant, the rules would take precedence. We're talking about a pandemic where even the conversations we were having last year are are archaic because the game is changing with Delta and now with, you know, that is the latest variant of interest that apparently yes, apparently wants to um, evade the immune system, right? So, I've seen some persons put out very large incentives to inspire persons to get vaccinated. I've seen persons do tokens. The thing about incentives is incentives can be a good thing until it gets to be a bad thing, right? (laughs) Because um, if you're doing that. It's almost like you are taking humans back to a point of them being a lesser species. It's kinda like do this for a trip, do this for a treat. Jump and you'll get a you'll get a snack. Right? People have to get to a point. We are th- talking about lives, we are talking about deaths, we are talking about long-term impacts to being infected with COVID because there's also long COVID at the end of the day. We are talking about scores of children as we speak right now being hospitalized in Harrison's Point in Barbados because Delta is ripping through that country and impacting the younger persons. It has to be beyond that conversation. It has to be that you are making a decision just because it is the most responsible thing to do. Not because you're looking for... a. The, the, one of the leaders, and I'm not going to say which country it is because I have, I, I will declare my bias and say I have a real challenge with this particular leader of this particular nation. But this person was telling persons, get vaccinated, yeah, because I can clear sea. So you trying to protect me from COVID, but give me a heart And same like, how are we doing? How, how is that, how is that max working out for you? Right? I, I don't understand. Then you have you know, other national leaders telling persons you are now going to be denied governmental services if you are not vaccinated, right so this incentive is get vaccinated and then you have access to all right, so right now they're taking that incentive idea and they're weaponizing it so it's like the key is vaccine, so you're creating two classes of citizenry You know what happened throughout history the last time, the many times they've done that? Let me just start from the French Revolution, it comes right back up, right? Haitian Revolution, come right back. What happens when you create two classes of citizenry? All of a sudden, the bread and circuses don't work anymore, right? Because now you're playing with people's livelihood and you're playing with their freedoms. That's a dangerous thing. And I feel like I'm going to be recalling this and other conversations I've had previously when I'm looking at the world burn down in a few months and be like, this is exactly what I was talking about. I cannot tell you how much times I have said that in the last 18 months. This is exactly what I was talking about. This is exactly what I was. It's not that I am celebrating being right. I actually wish I was wrong. I cannot tell you how much times in this last almost two years I wished I was wrong. I used to have persons, you know, sometimes when you go on these team building things, um, they ask you, you know, so who is somebody dead or alive that you would love to meet and have a conversation with? I used to give what we consider generic answers. You know, like, I would like to meet Nelson Mandela. You know, I'd like to sit and have a conversation with Maya Angelou. I would love to have a conversation with Rujanak Cattlede, right? I used to give those kind of answers. You know, who's my person I want to meet now? You know, who's my my ultimate noah i want to meet noah i want to be like bro i real feel you i understand your pain your pressure like you were trying to tell these people about this flood for some i don't know how much years and nobody was sticking you on bro i just want to give him a hug and be like i understand you know team noah that's how i feel like if i get a dog i probably name him noah because at the end of the day that struggle must have been real. You know something is gonna come. You know something so bad, so detrimental is gonna come. And nobody listening because they're so committed to just living their life. You know? And anything is, this is what people don't do don't post to understand. Like culturally, if we study history, there are certain islands in the Caribbean who will make no qualms about standing up for their rights, right? The Jamaicans are famous for that They put their stakes down in the ground and it cannot move them, right? Talking about the maroon clip, right? But then you have countries that don't, that try to stay very, walk the straight line, be very quiet and affable. And when you get to the point of seeing countries like that, Barbados, for example, protest by the hundreds, that tells you that the temperature is changing, all right? Because to see that kind of protest action that took place a couple of Saturdays ago in Barbados, that is not a normal thing culturally in that country. And I'm not saying one is better and one is not. I'm just saying when you look at the patterns of behavior and choices made over time, you really have to realize what is happening in our space that are causing people to feel like, if you're not hearing me, I'm going to get louder I'm going to gather the forces and by any means necessary. Good Lord, a couple of months ago, a prime minister's head got busted open, right? Like a whole bus head, like a big stone. In what world is that okay? In the last few months within our region, our beautiful Caribbean region, we have had a leader assassinated in his bed and we've had one with his head busted open. These things are not normal at least not on our, our neck of the woods. We're accustomed waking up and seeing and hearing about these things happening in the Middle East. Not in the Caribbean, where the oceans are blue and the sand is white and steel plantain and everybody likes to fly here for the winter. Something is happening. Something is happening beyond the political, the macroeconomic. It is a shift that is universal the ether of the universe is shifting and it's not in a way that would result in anything that we would we would recognize our human selves would recognize as positive for a long time to come and it's scary
0: Uh, it it is uh, i'm going to quote something that is going to sound very strange for me there's, I don't, I'm not sure if it's Mein Kampf or the Leninists or whichever of those radical groups would have talked about when you have a change in a society that is very quick, people will push back violently, right? When you have a change that is very, very slow, right? That is when things could get very dangerous in terms of when, I'm talking about the social cohesion, which individuals and businesses pay Uh, have to pay attention to and business has a responsibility to keep their finger on the pulse of that social cohesion and if we don't do that we could end up putting ourselves in a position where we would not like the consequences i do i I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue to say, but i don't really want to even bring that into the atmosphere but we do not want to go down that road You know, and and it's important that we recognize that this is a situation we're in and we all have a responsibility. But as we're talking about that, um, what about what do you think works? Like, what do you think works in this perspective from the position of, I mean, you may have to draw a reference, maybe not from this exact scenario, but from others what do you think works or can work or things that we should be exploring to kind of bridge the divide um, from a business perspective? And if you wish, you could go on to the other perspectives
3: you have. So I have I an have equation that is very simple to me. I, I always tell people, you try you, you present me with an equation and they tell me it's a Pythagoras theorem I have to apply when it's really just one plus one is two. And in my life, the one plus one is two is be honest. Be honest. Let's just start there, all right? So the honest conversation as it pertains to this pandemic is there is a lot we don't know. And a lot of persons, either because of ego or positional authority, don't want to admit that. There is a lot we don't know. Because we don't know, some of the things we're asking you guys to do now is really just us hoping for the best, Right? The reality is the vaccines have merit. Can they reduce um, the level of severity? Yes. Can they reduce the degree of hospitalization and death? Yes. But are they the cure-all that they're being sold to be, or the promise to return back to our vision of what we understood as normal? They are not. So we need to be honest about that. When you're honest about that, you get to separate the speculation, the acknowledge, what people are concerned about. And they say, okay, this is what the vaccine can do, this much, right? I'm not going to tell you it can do a yard when I know it can only do like, you know, 12 inches. I, what I can do is we can have an honest conversation about the merits of those 12 inches that it can do. Okay? So I think that it is really, really, really important for us to have that conversation about the merits of the vaccine, the realities of the virus, which changes every few weeks. We need to acknowledge that information that was shared two months ago is no longer valid, but only partially so. We need to have the honest conversations with parents about their kids. And as you said, businesses need to see people as a whole being and not just an employee. There are... Persons working for people whose spouses have lost their job in this crunched economy, there are kids where parents probably have forgotten in the last two months how difficult it was to manage kids at school because they were on August break, right? But come next week Monday, everybody and the kid have to find fight up for bandwidth at home, right? Figure out how are getting you to get your second dose or your first dose before the government cut it off, right? Um, try to figure out how i am I doing work at home, but also dropping my phone four, five, or six to school because I'd very well not putting them in a taxi with whoever, right? So all of these realities are playing in people's mind. And if the only conversation businesses are really willing to have is how do we stay profitable, that's a problem. It's a necessary conversation because we all need the jobs, all of us who choose to work within that particular reality that ecosystem that is corporate society we do need those jobs but at the end of the day there's more to be considered more in the motor you know than the vessel as they would say you know for this particular thing so for me in anything that i ever tried to do personally and professionally i've always found that starting with a platform of honesty while it might not be comfortable while while people may not perceive it as pleasant it is actually the best approach. Better you give people the, the chance to digest the reality. As always say, better ugly truth than a pretty lie, right? And there are a lots of pretty lies being promoted right now. But you see, when the truth comes, it's going to come And when it comes, it'll hit so hard. And dealing with the truth is going to be not the only pain point. It'll be... Dealing with the, what people have, with, will interpret as the betrayal of being told those pretty lies all around, all along the way. Um, you brought up a very valid point when you when you quoted um, whoever the, the the social group was. Um, there is a, a very fundamental principle in change management that says that you're not supposed to layer on change after change after change. Um, for a specific group of people because there's only so much appetite for change a collective has. This globe has seen so much change happen in the last 18 months that people are literally burnt out. And what happens when people are burnt out when it comes to change? What change managers fear, which is resistance. And then you have to go into resistance management mode. But you see the resistance is taking on such an energy and a life of its own that it's not just, well, I'm not cool with this. It's now protests. And in some spheres, it's violence. And it's walking off of jobs. And it's threat of taking people's jobs. So it's morphing. In terms of keeping it positive for a moment, I think everybody who is willing to be honest in this space has the opportunity to create, innovate, and problem-solve And start the conversations, even at a small level, you know. Ask schools if they're willing to create a forum for you to have a conversation with teachers about this. See if you can get on your parents' chat groups and and ask for space to have this dialogue. You know, because you're not the only parent sitting down there worrying about your kid, right, and what this means for them. Um. For business owners, I would encourage them, try to create the town halls, the virtual town halls and the department level meetings and even somebody one-on-ones because they might have, in every company, there are leaders, but then they are unofficial champions, unofficial super influencers. You'll want to have conversations with those persons because if they realize that what you're trying to do is something that is overall good and authentic, even though they might have a lot of pushback for you at the front of it, If you get them on board, the journey gets easier, right? So to me, it comes down to honesty and managing the message in a responsible way, right? So there's no way through this journey we could disassociate with integrity and with honor and with remembering that we're dealing with human beings. I feel like the collective term of employees or staff dehumanizes what is a very human experience everybody is facing right now, right? These are people who are going home concerned, scared, frustrated, ex- ex- um, etc. And then on top of that, we are in the midst of what is known to be the prime time for hurricane season. So you have persons now in our region of the world, not only worrying about COVID, but what if, what if my, my house, the roof of my house gets blown over? And I'm not even sure to get a contractor to come out to handle this for me. And if he comes, he might bring COVID with him. What then? Things have just gone from very simple to very complex, right? Just overnight. So, or at least it feels like overnight, you know? So, unless we're willing to pause and not just look for the band-aids and actually ready and willing to do the surgery and be there for the healing therapy, for the long haul, then we are going to have persons who are going to have their trust eroded. They're going to lose faith in us as leaders. They're going to become frustrated, and they're going to band together in their pain. And that's never a good recipe. It never is. People banding together because of hurt and pain is never a good recipe.
1: If I could just support that with two bits of information one a couple months ago St Lucia had a change in government, a dramatic change in government because of how frustrated the people were with one what was going on and two the manner in which this pandemic was being handled right So we've seen that uh, they could go to the channels and exercise the right to protest right listen we don't like what is going on we want something different and they voted. In numbers that were amazing to even St. themselves. And then I was actually, I was in the yard exercising. So this, this means that um, this was one of those desperate moments where you were doing anything to feel a little better. Because you know, ain't nobody want to risk getting buff up for exercising outside when we still have our SOE going on and all those types of things. So I was outside in the yard exercising. And I got a phone call from someone who very rarely calls me. So I said, let me take this phone call Because it interrupted my play listener. Anyway, and when I got onto the call the I'm not going to say who it was But the gentleman was asking me How interested I would be in a protest In terms of galvanizing people In terms of putting the word out Because... Quote unquote, you know, all you have a platform. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: I have like 400 Instagram
1: followers, but uh, you know no, what? No, I don't
2: think that's the platform he was referring to, but go ahead.
1: Well, you know it is here. And I, you know, being a humble fella, I really want to, you know, toot my own horn. But. Biggity does way.
2: Go ahead now. Go ahead.
1: And this, this gentleman was actually asking how interested I was in terms of helping to form this you know, let's gather publicly and express our displeasure. He he wanted, he, he was asking how interested I was in it and what advice I had. And this was SOE in, in the prime. It's not even to the point where it was waning and falling off and everybody understood where, you know, the leeway would have been or how reasonable the protective services would have been or anything like that. This was people were just so fed up and frustrated that they actually The rumblings that you're talking about reaching the point where people starting to contact people to to organize. And I was like, yo, listen, I don't know if anybody knows this about me, but I'm not necessarily the most agreeable person, and I do have a tad bit of a reputation for being stubborn, maybe even rebellious. I don't know where I get that from. But when i heard this i'm thinking to my wow aaron that feel you know free to anyway. come in with a nice little story idea. yeah dude um no, let me call um, it kind of short yes uh, here in the kettle so what happened was um i i i had to tell him i said listen you guys are looking to exercise options that exist outside the proper channels without having utilized the proper channels i said have you made any contact with your local representatives Right. Have you have you contacted a counselor? Have you have you sent a letter? Have you gotten a petition? You have taken no action within the permissible and encouraged forms and fashions and you want to go external. I say you looking for lockup. When you end up in front of a magistrate and ask you, right, so what did the counselor see? Right? What did the MPC? Right? This community that um that you gather, where where what actions did you all take prior to this? Your yeah, extra legal affair. Where's the evidence of you have tried something else? I say you can even lean on the compassions of an individual, because you did nothing within what the system would allow. But people so frustrated that they're not even thinking things through anymore. They just want to respond, react. They just they just want to to do something. So we have one example where people vote and make the change. And then we have another example where people looking to go outside of the, the means allowed to them. We are at a... Well, not at the tipping point, you know. Because if we could still see it coming, we're
2: we not there yet. There will be a we're morning still, where we, we will wake up. we still climbing the apex, to the apex.
1: Right, we we reaching the top of the hill to wave the flag and, you know, do our album covers and them kind of thing like what Aaron has be doing. But what I'm saying is, we're we at the point where if we could still see it coming, we're not there yet it it close though it close you're going to wake up and realize it has arrived things have changed uh because we're gonna air this probably um a little later in september i will reference early in september that there was a night or two where we in trinidad and tobago was subject to some uh very very unsettling winds And there were videos that circulated in terms of light poles being brought down and infrastructure from fast food, restaurants, etc. There was damage. But there was one video where a light pole um, hit a tree. tree was on fire before power went down. And, you know, the families were outside in the yard filming. And I'm thinking to myself, we are facing incidents that could be labeled as natural disaster and um, weather issues in an SOE. So here the catch now. I'm not allowed to be outside of my house for my safety when there are things that are threatening my house. We're we, we starting to look at the fact that there's a hard and fast and then there, there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And if the letter of the law does not allow for some exercise of the spirit of the law, then people are going to start ignoring the law. The, 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 this We're at a very, very dangerous point where if conversations are not had encouraged, I know if I'm not even going to say allowed, but 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 initiated people going to fireball the entire communication process and just start doing or stop is, doing as the case may be. That's the scary
0: thing. And that's why I like Gail's model of, of approach, you know. And there are two things that, that I mean, I'm saying this in, in jest, but there's two things that she would have said that already hit me, yeah. One in terms of that that whole conversation with Noah, please invite me. I really would like to talk to him because, I mean, based on what you're talking about, we have the, the pandemic and then we have the slow-moving disaster as well, which is climate change, which is something that I have been talking about. And as people are taking it serious, and, and even when it happened, people are taking it serious, you know. Mm-hmm. And the other part of what you said was that beautiful lie. Eh? I mean, uh, uh, when we had our last conversation, uh, you know, I reflected on me when they say it hit my kind of way, but I, I see Aaron, I had twitched a little bit too, like mine, eh? the
1: beautiful lie
2: you talk
0: about me yeah
1: <laughs> but just, just just for the record for those who may be tuning in for the, um for the first time you should check out episode eight of inquisitive Minds where we had ruana grana Ch- uh haynes and we were discussing climate change the environment and us and then episode nine uh <laughs> only man does love where we featured our panel of women. Say
2: that's, that's a fact of life only man does love that's all you
1: need to say. That i'm not getting into that i am not responsible oh. for the naming of the episode anyway so yeah we had a panel of young men you who, should tell um, our
0: guests how Gail looking at us eh?
1: <laughs> with, I, do, I don't know We allowed to use scorn and disdain those those words. Do, i don't know how you, they work you, you on you want to get cancelled i was speaking of which gail um yeah so episode eight and nine and you'll realize there's some context to the type of thing that we see in especially with that beautiful light thing but gail just quick question uh side sidebar how long you have that picture That you have up Over your shoulder wow
3: well, um, I don't know Over 10 years
1: now Over 10 years now mm-hmm. It is very apt For the conversation That we're having Because I'm looking at it And it does look A tad bit like Our subject matter
2: <laughs> Wow Wow You've seen it now right You've see, seen it now Ira? As you pointed it out Yes that's what I see But um There's something I, I want to piggyback on From what Gail said And what you said Ricardo Um there, there, there has been brings of, of discontent, right? With the way that everything is being handled, and I do totally agree with you, Gail, that we need to have that honest conversation because a lot of companies are trying to say, okay, we are gonna achieve herd immunity for our entire workforce to come back out. Mm-hmm. And as you said, who him her, a hood, wow. <laughs>
1: herb, oh, <immunity>. my- <laughs> <laughs>
3: that m um, that has been growing outside
2: boy i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> herd immunity will only be achieved for a microsecond right a, a literal snapshot mm-hmm. but the real issue really comes from the fact that we need continuous protection from a virus which is continuously evolving yes in a workspace that continuously changes daily by the people that come in and out Yeah. So, guys, ultimately, as Ricardo when I constantly debate, it boils back down to personal choice. Despite whatever the government of the day or your management puts forward, it comes back down to personal choice.
1: Right? (laughs) You see that choice thing?
2: I don't know sorry sorry personal responsibility thank, thank you, you very much right. Because it anybody who know down... me
1: know I I'm a little draconian when it comes down to
2: no but i and, know and, and about choice more choice no, anyway, as, a... is, as i said the choice argument it comes mm-hmm. back down now to what brendan said earlier with the marion of what correct me if i'm wrong the marion of rules and incentive mm-hmm. well in us if we are if we are educating our public as to the truth about these vaccines, where they only have a, a six, a, and I use this term loosely, a six inch layer of protection, then the, the need for these incentives of free KFC or a free $50 shopping card or a 10% discount would not be needed. Give information, truthful information, and it will sway people to make a decision on their own to protect their own, their lives, their livelihood, and those around them.
1: Completely disagree. I am sorry. I respect I respect what it is saying, you know. But mm-hmm. that is a, a, an assumption that people respond with information to make better decisions. And I do not believe that is the general case. People... The, the, the confirmation bias exists because people take information that supports their position and their narrative I'm not saying that people cannot or will not make better decisions I'm saying that just the presentation of the information is not just going to be enough and even there's still need for the incentive yes but I, I honestly think as I have learned the, you have to communicate with people in the place that they are in not necessarily from the place that you want to get them to just presenting information, I I ain't I ain't seeing that as being um I, I don't think people make better decisions with more information. I think they make better decisions with
2: information that they relate to so that's so they're basi- comfortable with. So basically what you're saying, Ricardo, and you can correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, is that the management on all levels need to communicate with persons in a language which they are comfortable with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, and Gail oh, Gils Gail spoke it earlier too, right? This talking to thing, as opposed to speaking with. I mean, that's a problem I I may have had at a point in my life that mm-hmm. the, the ugly truth, <coughs> Gail, <you're> right there, <laughs> you're you're <flying>. <laughs> no. I hear, I hear, I yeah, chance, eh? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right
1: here Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, I've I've accepted that you could deliver the ugly truth in a manner that is a little more. Um, Oh, okay, go alright. You might have to take the buckles, right? But you do have to force it down my throat. You could encourage me to take it. Whereas well, in is, is navigating the information, is the the conversation itself, not necessarily even the content of the conversation or the information itself. You know, because you could deliver bad news in a way that doesn't have to hurt as much as the news itself. Something I may have learned from being exposed to people who um would have pointed such out to me. We have <clears throat> growth. We have growth. I that, that's
3: why I rule. I think um I think you know, one of the things is that um we can have the conversations in the manner that both, you know, that that Iran, Brendan, and Ricardo you guys have pointed out, and I think there's true merit to it. The thing that we need to be mindful of is I find a lot, let me don't put it like that. I find that some companies that I have come across are lazy in terms of their information gathering and sharing. So they would have one session with staff. They're like, okay, well, we talked about the pandemic and we talked about the options and we're done. So what happens when a new variant comes onto the fore? What happens when we find out something else that changes the game about these these vaccines? You need to stay current because... So there's something that no one is talking about, and I, I don't want to put I don't want to manifest it into reality here, but it is something that needs to be taught about. People are talking about the wild strain, the original strain of this this virus, and then they're talking about the mutations, right? And the conversation stopped there. But there's another way that viruses can change. That has nothing to do with mutation. It's called recombination. And it's when someone gets Infected by two strains of the same virus and those viruses find themselves in the same cells and basically they get together and they make a baby, right? Right, so there's a new third strain being born out of that combination and that is actually a quicker process than a mutation, which is a gradual thing. So there is no evidence that I am aware of and I stand to be corrected that getting infected with gamma gives you immunity against delta actually there's more evidence to show that if you get one the experience with another might be worse it's it kind of behaves like dengue in that way right where if you get dengue once okay fine if you get dengue again you're on a higher risk of getting hemorrhagic fever all right because it's almost like your immune system goes into hyper aggressive mood right so My thing is, we're not talking about some of these realities that really could be authentic game changers. And nobody is trying to create, you know, I think one of you used the term, you know, nobody wants to panic anyone. But these are real conversations. You know, there's another, only one paper I've seen on this thus far where they talk about, everybody's talking about the unvaccinated is where the opportunity for mutation is is ripe. But what about those persons who have gotten their first shot of vaccine, then get COVID, then get their second shot of vaccine? What do you think that virus is doing when it gets in there and it sees, oh, well, you seem to have a higher level of protection. Let me see how I can pick my game up, right? It's kind of like it's a similar principle of, you know, when you get sick and you're on antibiotics, and the doctor tells you, even if you feel better, completely course of antibiotics. Because if you don't, and there's some active remnant of whatever is there, it can actually get stronger. It's kind of like that. The, the, the time we have to spend between first and second shot, if you get infected in the middle day, the, there's a chance, however small, that you can be given that virus the opportunity to map out what that vaccine looks like. And adjust itself so that it's even more resilient when it leaves that person and affects another right this vaccine is behaving like a cockroach this is the cockroach of va- va- vaccines. i'm sorry you know because va- cockroaches have been around since hey, dinosaurs. hey hey hey, hey hey you
2: know, hey hey you're, you're you're in some group that protects cockroaches what, no, that? no 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 no! <laughs> that that's one thing i afraid <laughs> oh, <yes>. so, so, <laughs> I, so we could find our next example. No <laughs> with <know> fears <laughs> and unconsciousness right? like yeah,
3: it Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's it, the
2: it. Manicou, no? it's the manicure, it's the manicure. No, it's they cockroach.
3: No, it's a cockroach.
1: Crumbs in the bed, encouraging cockroach. And you talking about me and my manicure? Aaron, give me a chance and let the lady finish, please. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm making that 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 that, that comparison because. Like them or not, cockroaches have found a way to survive in any environment through all changes that have happened for, for, for arguably thousands, if not millions, of years. So, and and that's what we're seeing with this SARS-CoV-2. It is finding a way to survive no matter what. You come with a with a vaccine. Well, guess what? I'm gonna throw two new variants for you, right in the space of months, right? You you try to stay. Um, You try to take vitamin D I will find a way To still get to here Regardless of that You know You try to Social distance And tell people Six feet Well guess what I could now reach 27 feet If I get you To sneeze me out Right So There is Almost uh, And I use this Very carefully Because I don't want Doctors and You know Epidemiologists coming for me But it's almost like This vaccine is Sorry this virus Is intelligent And it's like Bad mind It's like Oh, okay. This vax, this va- this virus is playing chess with us. You make a move, I'm going to make five counter moves and make sure I check check you. You know.
0: Sorry to cut you off again, but Doctor he said the same thing on CNN, and he said that it is trying to survive.
3: Yeah.
0: Same thing. It is yeah. it has a type of intelligence, even though it's not but,
3: traditional intelligence. Yeah, all viruses want to do is spread, and. And and survive. That's all they want. That they don't have to worry about mortgage, kids, your traffic, nothing. That's that's it. Their only life goal is spread and survive. This one has decided that it is olympically committed to that. So see you know what you what? did there. I know. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. see <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. about the beautiful light. Huh? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. She, she can read the sound bites, tonight yeah. Okay. <laughs> definitely, definitely.
0: So guys, I, I I must say that this conversation has been refreshing. It I mean, even though we're talking about a heated topic, I I think it's it's a topic that we need to talk to. And you know, one of the last things I would say on my end is that the points raised by Gail, which if you look at it on its surface, you might say, Listen, do those things connect? But if you're running a business, you have to care about political stability, you have to care about social service, stability, you have to care about the well-being of kids and, and, and parents and how those are. You have to think about those things. Otherwise, are you really managing a business, right? And I mean, Aaron is a man anger, you my out on this because you're thinking about your bottom line too. You understand? And you really care about that. You have to care about them things. You understand?
2: Um, I, I I wanna I wanna jump in there, Brendan. I have been posting to Facebook and Twitter a lot with this this one statement. Your employees are human first and then their employees. Right? You need to care about the human aspect. And the human is not just that one man that comes into work. Or as unfortunately I'll say it, I am probably one of the few single people at my workspace. So my boss will think he just had a care about me. And that's food is from the truth. Shh! Edit, 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 <laughs> edit, edit, <laughs> edit. <laughs> edit. Because I was going to, Yeah, I was going to say something there. That right? You're trying to with
0: her eyes too. Huh?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I, I'll continue. And, but I know I was going to say right. Last episode, demands Anyway, go ahead. Right. You're listening. So. <laughs> I am probably one of the the only unmarried people at my workplace, or as they say in government, I say in, on a government form, I'm single, right? Okay, okay, that that make more sense, right? So my boss would say, "Is you, you could come to work, you could go out and do this, but no, it's not that. I had a study, or he should be studying. is me, my mom, my dad, who's recovering from injuries, my brother, my grandfather, who's ill." All these different things are what the employers have to study, and a lot of them neglect that. Yes. I, I think it's a pestle analysis. Political, economic, social, technological. I forget the last two. Something and economic or something like that. Employers, do your part. Look at the holistic beings and not just that man that doing the work to increase your bottom line
1: going to follow up that yeah, siege boy. with zombie, all I could do is ratchet oh, down the thing.
2: Oh, Lord, Father. that is all but I could do. This is what about. we don't want.
1: By asking, but what about my right to protect my business and my investment? What about that Iran
2: you, you want me to answer that from a financial financial perspective? Ah,
1: boy, where, where do you have zero? Let me hear. You. Let, let me hear you, Mister Accountant,
2: DJ Man. Right. Um. What is the cost to sanitize a business after someone comes in with COVID-19?
3: It's
2: significant depending on what level of sanitization you're using. And and also the size of the the building, right? Yeah, and the amount Uh, of people that need to come to do it. Let's just say a a 2,600 square foot business place costed $22,500. Pardon? Pardon? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 22,500 for 2,600 square foot office space. So wait, 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 wait. If we're you're talking with about fogging and defumigation and, yeah, and,
3: and stuff. Yeah. We're not so, talking about people coming in with bucket and anymore.
2: No. Nah, full sanitization.
1: So, <clears throat> you know what? I feel I good there. I feel I real good there. Because you know what you're talking about? I'm thinking... As an employer, I probably would not force employees to come back out to work sooner than they have to just so that I could keep an eye on them. It might cost me more in the long run. It well,
3: might unfortunately, cost me more. a lot of them feel that way, that they need to because, you know, again, touching back on what Aaron said, personal responsibility and accountability, you try to trust persons to um, to work from home and they're just not performing so, you're
1: putting the employer in a rough place. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know if fully realize what Iran has fully blown his gasket, you know.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'll just leave uh, it like this, right? Iran having an on air breakdown, you know. A, a lot of employers and the, a lot of employers and current persons in management positions are getting up there in age. They are closer to 60. And um, you only you know this a biggest you for me. I have no qualms to say this. They are closer to 60 or 65, so they are a bit out of touch with what the current younger workforce is capable of. Mm. A lot of them, as you say, Cardo, have that that draconian style of leadership where I need to be able to crack the whip over your shoulder for you to do work. It doesn't work like that anymore.
3: to support your point and I know we need to wrap up but just in in closing to support your point Iran, it's not even about the the older um, leaders alone anymore Um, again from a from a nationalistic cultural perspective sometimes depending on what country you're talking about that's just the leadership style it just simply is it doesn't matter if the leader is 32 or you know going up to 60 that is the style it is what I say it is the plantation mentality
2: Mm-hmm. Right? So um, we had we had a break that we, we need to start a break
1: that. Yeah, that, that that post-colonial um leadership style. Mm-hmm. But there's not even that really not leadership, I boss ship.
2: And i was gonna say yeah, German, yeah. And la, 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 lastly, just a thing. Um oh gosh, I forget what I was gonna say,
1: but wait, wait, just no quick quick question. When you say just a thing, uh I don't I don't know about you, but I'm i I like words now. A thing is in that case, that's verb. That's that's verbal noun when you say just a thing. Because I know a verb is a thing. A verb is Brenda, a noun. It's not a I think I it's a... no, no, Brenda, I that you... you could mute him. Half of your <laughs> half of <laughs> your work is communication. <laughs> and you go come on to people on them podcasts and say just a thing.
2: Hey. I, I lost my trend i thought, sorry. i really already lost my trend I thought that thought well, <laughs> there. I, I understand when you're thinking thing to thing thank you Mr. Vibe for that piece of literary brilliance oh God, it's done. <lk-> don't do that and she <laughs> <hit boys. laughs>
1: anyway Aaron wow. you were you, you're just, you're just about a thing um, oh, okay yes I
2: was just going to say something that a lot of us want to see these changes in our workplaces, but a lot of us are afraid to step up and put ourselves in positions of leadership if you want to see change there's one aspect which is the protest and those things which we spoke of earlier but a lot of the change that we want to see in today's world is systematic and to get systematic change they need new blood we need persons who are seeing the gaps and want to implement as Gail said not, not the not the plaster you know? we want to do the surgery to bring that change about so if you know you want to see those changes, become that surgeon. And put in that work. Get involved.
0: Thank you, Kieran. Yeah. Get involved.
1: I, I can't reach that one, that was too good. Nah, nah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that, Finally. I, was, I was, yeah, yeah. Um, um, he, he did a whole way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, become, become that surgeon, we. I- become that
0: surgeon, man. <laughs> i'm making the closing wrongs there guys um yeah. because I, I i know gail is a very busy person and um as much as i know she enjoying the ratchet talk from us i know um <laughs> 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 dancing polite laugh gail i appreciate that <laughs> um as much as we, we we had a great i mean there's so much gems in this one i'm not sure which one to pick uh including the beautiful life uh, um it was a great conversation. I love having conversations with risk managers who understand nuance and understand that skepticism has a role. I think that's 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 important. And I know I enjoy, but it's also a mark of uh, of a level of intelligence that is beyond just books. Um, and I must say, I I must say, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You know, um, thank you for for coming on. And um I, I do have one thing to ask of you that we know just to get your perspective on, but I'll let the fellas let them close off and I'll ask it last. right? So thank you.
1: Yeah, well, this is Ricardo McKelde, the social stage on the local stage. Thanking you guys for joining us in Inquisitive Minds. Remember to check us out on Anka. Well,
2: you know? Yeah,
1: no, 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 what are they doing, man? My... What are they doing man um trade talk become a trade wreck yes so uh check us out um you could go to anchor.fm slash Minds. you could check us out on spotify you could check us out on uh, Google Podcasts. we on the other one um where's, where's the other one?
2: It has so much. Yeah, boy, Apple, Apple, in a, Spotify, wherever Apple you podcast, get to podcast, yeah. wherever, wherever,
1: You know what I realized? Just Google Inquisitive Minds, wherever you put a S, put a Z. And we are the entire first page of the search results. So literally just Google Inquisitive Minds and take your pick. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, Gail, I truly an honor, truly an honor listening to you speak in such a professional capacity. You've sent me... Uh, numerous rollouts and uh, 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 uh plethora of information and I thank you so much for your diligence and your committed effort and for your, your understanding of the intellectual and the emotional perspectives required for us to have some semblance of a stand against this thing I truly believe that you are at the forefront of the type of leadership style that we're going to need going forward and I'm going to do everything in my power including share every platform I have available uh, to help you get to and maintain that position uh it is truly an honor sitting here listening uh, uh, because i actually listened for the majority of this session as opposed to contributing and it was Aaron, close eyes and it definitely it definitely enriched me in terms of being able to understand what it is you guys deal with at your level so thank you very much for your time and for your contribution and i don't just mean your time in the episode but for what it took for you to get to this point right um yeah. You're, yeah, are a nice nice jersey.
2: Brendan, thanks a lot again oh. for the opportunity. I, I, and I'm not gotta say I didn't have anything uh, you know passing over no, uh, to me. I thought he was introducing here, but I don't uh, <laughs> well that's what I to
1: know. <laughs> no, no 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 I, I, I do that. No, <laughs> I just I just I just make my closing wrongs, you know, but uh and you know, I don't want nobody to feel well, you know. But yeah. Gail nice picture by the way. We go had to have a conversation about um, you know, the 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 clairvoyance that may have led to you picking that particular Coronavirus-looking um,
2: <laughs> painting. Anyway, um, Iran. Um, I I I want to paraphrase two of my favorite callipsionians. One from Wendell Goodridge. It's called Who to Blame, and Who from I Am. Right. It shouldn't have to take us to blame a doctor, a lawyer, or a pilot flying a plane. We need to look within and say, "Hey, if I want to see change." i am that person to bring that change right guys again it's a privilege to have this conversation because a lot of the times we try to have this within our circle of friends but it ends up being a quarrel or somebody just saying me want to talk about this but to have discourse on issues that are this important not just to the nation but to the world are what will bring about some of the change we want to see
0: Amen, buddy. I mean, it's a, a great conversation and um, Gail, I'll leave any last word for you. Um, uh, but as you give any last word, we have a, a little bit of a, just a small ask of you as well. So this is something that we were talking about before and it's something that we want to extend to our guests. And it's something that we will all comment on, right? Of course, after you give your closing remarks. Um, so we just want to ask guests, and you will be the first. Of anything that you are reading, looking at, interested in, that you want to share, that you think people should look at or read or consider, that could be on topic or off topic, doesn't matter. But just from your personal perspective, what are you? What is interesting you um, these days? So just that question, and then. Um, You're closing, and then um, I'll let the guys offer up their perspective.
3: Okay, so I will close as I like to open up my days with gratitude. So I just want to thank you gentlemen, uh, Ricardo, Brendan, and Aaron. Thank you so much for the opportunity, for the conversation, for the platform. I don't think that... It is acknowledged often, often enough because I do take in your, your podcast from time to time and I do tune into the living room on occasion. And you guys um, carry a certain level of light um, within you that I respect and I think we need more of. And, and people like to keep within professional vernacular. And they think that conversations like that or verbiage like that doesn't have a place. But to me, it always does. So thank you for allowing, you know, at least what what I am currently living as my version of the truth to be shared today. I really appreciate it. Um, I would just ask everyone to please, you know, empower yourself. And there are a lot of very reliable um sources of information and i'm not referring to social media and i'm not referring to just random google i'm talking about you know peer-reviewed scientific papers they're not as difficult to re- to go through as persons may want you to to believe or how it may sound please 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 um Ensure that you give yourself the opportunity to have the information and not be blindsided by persons with agendas, no matter what they may be. Right. In terms of, I will contribute in terms of um, what is interesting me these days. Um, I did read one of the books years ago, but I actually got um, the three books together now, which is Eli Weasel's books um, that starts with night. Eli Weasel is the gentleman who would have survived the Holocaust and the concentration camps. And he wrote three books about his journey. And they're three very small books, but they're so impactful. And I think it gives us the opportunity to do some reality checks about survival, about resilience, about creating something positive out of a scenario that seems so dark and foreboding. And seeing as we are all journeying through this period of the world's timeline and history, it, it can't in any way, shape or form be, you know, side by side compared to the Holocaust. But the energy that charges it of feeling lost, hopeless, losing a lot and coming through it. That's the message that I really want to share. You know, you can hold on to. So it's a good read, it's worth it, and I would recommend it to your listeners and to you guys, if you haven't read it already.
1: Uh, Thanks a lot, Gail. I'm currently reading a book by New York Times bestseller Debbie Ford, Why Good People Do Bad Things, How to Stop Being Your Worst Enemy. Uh, That is my bedtime reading. Uh, because it has it's definitely reminded me of a lot of the things i would have learned to experience and it helps in terms of the narrative when you get why people think the way that they do you get why they express the way that they do and you get how they receive what you do so in terms of being able to communicate the types of narrative that you're going to need to motivate people to make better decisions uh it has been proving very helpful so why Good People Do Bad Things by Debbie Ford. And I'm going to follow it up with Why Good People Do Bad Things, Understanding Our Darker Selves by James Hollis, PhD. So literally a very different perspective on the same issue. So I'm actually taking the light that has been um, shone upon my life by uh, Mr. James and his ongoing commentary about me and my ratchetness versus my righteousness. And I'm taking it very seriously so that I could be a better steward of that light that you Gail so generously uh, pointed out. So, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, uh, Aaron, anything besides TV Guide?
2: <laughs> wow. I mm? actually just wrapped up reading George Orwell, a double dose of George Orwell, 1984, and Animal Farm.
3: Animal Farm, right. And I'm following yeah.
2: that up now with a book by Spencer Johnson, Who Moved My Cheese. Mm-hmm. All right.
3: read great great books and very timely <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: well, about about tv guide I are you afraid <laughs> to, uh, uh, to and, and, and you know no, uh, just just to, just before we had the kind of course to Brendan. yes i do read the tv guides ricardo because i am trying to stay abreast of what time of day the cpl matches are well oh. by the time this would air the cpl was
1: Right, 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 right.
2: Yeah. And you know, that's that's one of the things I
1: like about you, you know, Iran. You're well balanced. Even though we had a but had a buffet for being too emotional yesterday, it also reminded me of my um emotional inadequacies when considering situations at times. So listeners, don't feel the rab. It's just an on-air thing. We actually have legitimate friendships that um, shape and encourage and help us redefine. So, um, Aaron, thank you for that, you know, for reminding me of my humanity. Gail has so very generously pointed out to me that my delivery has improved over the years. And I will attest to Aaron being a huge part of that in terms of continuously forcing me to practice the art of conversation by calling me. Right, (laughs) true. (laughs)
2: <laughs> all the time at least you're admitting um, that I'll call you now because oh, on a yeah, previous episode on another show you tell the listeners I don't call you Yeah, it's always well, it, lovely, so.
1: it, <laughs> it, it's up for a reason but that, let me leave what you're putting on the government forms out of that yes um, Mr. James um, yes. and, uh, back to you so I mean
0: there's a saying that if you want to live multiple lives you read books right so I, I'm, I'm much, I, I love the, the, the energy What I have been reading recently that um, are really kind of informing my approach is uh, a book by Mike Carney called Values. And um, Mike Carney was a former central bank governor of Canada, and then he was the central bank governor of the UK. And um, the whole question about what is happening in terms of the financial system and climate is important in that the whole rules and incentives approach. And if if business has to start thinking about not just profit maximization, it's about creating value. And what is that? What is that whole thing about value? You know, and traditional finance and economics really doesn't, you know, define value too well, you know, and that question about what is valuable is coming up and kind of touches on what we talk about today. So what um, I'm reading. Uh, and it's not a, a not it's not a finance or economics book. It's just a book about a what is important and how finance can help, you know, kind of structure what is important for Ruby, which is not drowning in floods or burning down uh, forests. We need to we need to start thinking about these things. Okay. okay. Amen.